So we're in a study uh, called uh, Moses, the Making of a Champion. And what I thought was going to be a four-part series turns is now we're in uh, week number 10. And, uh, and we got one more to go, okay? So, and today we want to put our, uh, we're still about the story of Moses, but we uh, want to put our focus today on this guy that's part of this narrative, and his name is Pharaoh, okay? And, um, and so, I want to just, uh, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, and um, notice what it says here. Because we're going to talk about the heart again today. And it says, the human heart. In fact, read it with me, please. The human heart is the most deceitful things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So my question today to start is, how is your heart? Now, we talk about people having heart problems. And, and you know, I've been one of those that had to go to the hospital and in uh, lap you know a number of years ago and deal with heart issues and rapid heart rate and all that kind of stuff and uh, uh, but before we go any further today let's just take and you know just close your eyes where you are just go ahead close your eyes and ask this question lord are we okay you know are we okay lord and lord i pray as we ask that question you will reveal to us Lord, our heart today, you will reveal to us whether we are right or wrong, whether we have been good or bad, whether we have had bad intentions or evil desires that we've given into. Lord, whether we have been critical or spoken, you know, terrible with our mouth, Lord God. Lord, I, I thank you that you're revealing things to our heart today. And I pray today this would... This sermon would just be helpful to deal with our heart. And um, we ask that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now, we know there's heart disease, okay? But how many know there's spiritual heart disease? And um, heart disease is real and it's dangerous and it can afflict us at any time. But that's not what I want to talk about in this message. And the Bible has a lot to say about your spiritual condition and your spiritual heart. For instance, the Bible says, as a man thinketh or thinks in his heart, you know, so is he. How do you think in your heart? I remember just going through a really bad stage in my life. And I read that verse and I thought, Lord, how am I doing in my heart? Lord, how am I thinking in my heart? And, you know, the answer came real quickly. You're negative, you're down, you're mad at God, you're mad at people, you're mad at the world. And, and, um, and I thought, Lord, I want to change my heart. I, I, I really did. That was my prayer. I want to change my heart so that my heart will reflect, you know, my mouth will reflect what's on my heart. And I, I seriously, it's, it's a longer step than what I'm telling you, but I, I wrote down all the things that I was thinking. And I was telling myself, because how many know you tell yourself lies all day long? And um, so I started, in fact, this last Sunday after I got done speaking, I started, boy, I started bombing myself with, you're a terrible pastor, you're, you know, you say the dumb things, and you, you know, how many ever get like that, and you just like, you, you really, anybody ever get down on yourself, you know, and so, you know, and so it took me about three days, and I had to get back to my message here that, you know, what am I thinking in my heart, and, and how many know that whatever's in your heart must come out eventually, it comes out of your mouth. 
And, you know, what's inside doesn't stay there forever. And sooner or later, the thoughts on your heart will be on your lips. And that's why the Bible exhorts us in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. He says this, guard your heart. Read it with me, please. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. He says to guard your heart above all. If there's anything else you're going to do today, you and I have to guard our heart. Stephen Covey, if you've read any of his books, he's uh, quite a prolific writer on uh, success and management, time management. He says this, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an act, reap a habit. And sow a habit, reap a character. And you sow a character, you're going to reach your destiny. And I, I like that. Some of you need to take a picture of that and you need to tweet it or Facebook it or whatever you want to do it because that is so important today that we sow a thought, we reap an action. We sow an act, we reap a habit. Sow a habit, we reap a character. And once you sow a character, you're going to reap a destiny. And so I, I just think that's good advice. And it's the bottom line. It's the truth about our heart today. So that brings me back to the question, the original question, how is your heart? Now, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 8 uh, they give us a warning that we need to heed. And notice what it has to say. This is what the Holy Spirit says. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. Now there's a couple things that just come out of this right now for me. It's that one, anybody in this room at any time can develop a hard heart. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been a Christian or whatever it might be. Every one of us in this room is capable of developing a hard heart. And the other thing happens is usually it happens gradually over time. It's not like I get up one day and I have a hard heart. How many know it's like little here, little here, little here? And you're picking up things in your life and all of a sudden you look back and say, wow, something's kind of gone wrong, kind of gone haywire in my life and I really need to get back to basics. And I think a lot about what this sermon is about is just getting back to basics. And how many know you can start out with Christ and have a heart filled with love toward everybody around you and and but how many know the trials, the temptations, the of the world steal your joy? Come on. You know how many know they harden your heart toward life, toward people? Um, and you know and especially toward the Lord. And when that happens, you start losing your zeal. Come on, anybody just like, ah, I just don't feel, you know, and here's what happens. Apathy leads to disinterest, and disinterest leads to hardness, and hardness leads to spiritual stagnant, uh, stagnant being stagnant spiritually. But it happens slowly, and you don't hardly notice it. And so when we read Exodus, you know, as you get in, in over into Exodus and uh, uh, get over in chapter 5, that's where we're going to start here. When you read Exodus, you, you now are going to meet this Pharaoh of Egypt. And I want you to see that 20 times that it is told to us in the Bible, it says that Pharaoh had a hard heart. Now, a lot of people want to blame God for that, and um, I think you've got to be careful because Pharaoh's heart was already hard, 
you know, and God just allowed his heart to get even harder. And his story offers us an unforgettable portrait of the high cost of uh, untreated spiritual heart disease. And as we use Pharaoh as an example, I want to give you five marks of a hard heart today. So please, you know, take out your phone if you're taking notes on your phone or if you're, you know, pencil and paper person or pen, you know, you're going to be wanting to write some things down because I want to give you five marks of a hard heart. And as we look at this, I want you to do an evaluation of your own life. You know, how are we, God? Am I, am I doing this? Now, here's the first one I want you to write down is that you reject all of God's, uh, you reject God's authority. And um, I've seen this over and over. I've seen it with people I deal with. You know, whenever you're rejecting God's authority in your life, your, your heart is probably, you know, hardened up. And Pharaoh didn't know God, and, and he didn't want to know God. And a hardened heart starts right there. When you reject God, things never get better. Come on, church. When you reject God, things don't get better. They can only get worse. And so I want you to pay attention to Pharaoh's arrogant answer to Moses and Aaron. Notice in chapter 5, verse 2. Is that so, retorted Pharaoh? And who is the Lord, and why should I listen to him and let Israel go? Now watch what he says. I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Now, when Pharaoh said, I don't know the Lord, how many know he's right? He didn't know God. Man, I'm, I'm, but I'm going to tell you this, he's about ready to meet him. Okay, you think you can get away with it for so long and you're going to get along with you're doing whatever you're doing. But you know what? Eventually, you're going to have to meet God and you're going to have to answer for your life. Now, you know, the ultimate issue is the same for us as it was for Pharaoh. Who's running the show in your life? You know, and Pharaoh's about ready to find that answer. Who's really in charge? And let me just tell you, you can know the Lord in two different ways. One, you can know him as the deliverer. And thank God, how many have been, in, been delivered in some way, shape, or form? You know, that God has brought deliverance in your life. You know, uh, Friday night at the Celebrate Recovery, I don't know, there's about 50, 60 people there. But, you know, every one of them, they have a testimony how God you know, has delivered them. You can either know God as a deliverer or, or, listen to this, you can know God as a destroyer. Now, how many would rather know him as the deliverer rather than the destroyer? And, you know, when God comes in with his hand and begins to say, look, enough is enough, how many know that it's, it takes years sometimes to kind of clean up, you know, when you go through that? And there's no third option because... Pharaoh did not know him as the deliverer. He would soon know him as the destroyer. And the people of Egypt would pay a terrible price for the king's, you know, insolence. You know, I think about what's going on with Vladimir Putin over in Russia. I, there's judgment coming for that boy. You know, uh, he's, he's inflicting a lot of pain on people. But how many know this? The Lord is either your best friend or he's your worst enemy. And... Um, and you got to ask the question, is the Lord my friend or is he my enemy today? There's no in between. There's no third option. It's either the Lord is my friend or he's not. And if he's not, I would watch out because, you know, your life is on a path where you're going to be going through a lot of stuff. Matthew 21, verse 44 says this. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. 
And when it falls on anyone, it will crush them. How many would rather you fall on a stone and be broken rather than have the stone fall on you and crush you? I would much rather have the first one. So the first mark of a hard heart is this. One, you reject God's authority. And secondly, I want you to write this down. You have no concern for the pain you cause. Now, I don't know if you know where the name ruthless comes from. The word Ruth usually or originally meant compassion or pity, uh, especially toward the needy. To have Ruth meant you grieved over the sufferings of others. Therefore, to be ruthless means you go through life thinking only of yourself. You see uh, the pain of others, but it doesn't move you. And that's Pharaoh. His ruthlessness was especially heinous. And, and he caused the pain of others. I want you to see that. And he felt no pain of his own. You know, you see this in, clearly in the first plague, you know, the plague of the, uh, when the Nile River is turned to blood. And, you know, for a week the people had no fresh water and, and the fish died and creating a stench that filled the land. And it says in verse 21, it says in chapter 7, there was blood everywhere throughout the land of Egypt. Then the magicians, they duplicated this miracle. And Pharaoh decided to ignore what Aaron and Moses had done. And I want you to notice Callus' response in chapter 7, verse 23. And, and watch this. It says, Pharaoh returned to his palace and put the whole thing out of his mind. He wanted nothing to do with their pain and suffering. He didn't even care. You know, he could drink the wine that was provided for the king at that time. They couldn't. They didn't have it. And that means that he didn't care about the suffering of the people. And as king, you know, he, he had privileges that they didn't, but he didn't care. So here's an early mark of Pharaoh's heart. He didn't care about his people and what they were going through. He only cared about himself. And after all, the Egyptians considered him to be a god. And as such, he saw himself far above all the people. Now, how many know that choices have consequences in your life? And so Pharaoh made his choice early. And as we see, he never really changed. Very soon, his nation uh, is going to be devastated because he's not embracing God, you know, in the way that he needs to embrace him. So, number one, if you reject God's authority, that's the first mark. Secondly, you have no concern for the pain that you cause. But thirdly, I want you to see this. You try to make deals to avoid punishments. Now, how many, how many of you kind of, you know, this is bargaining with God. Anybody ever try to bargain with God? You know, uh, I remember the old movie, movie with, uh, a long time ago with Burt Reynolds, The End. You know, he's out in the ocean. He's about ready to drown. He says, God, if you save me, you know, uh, I'll give 10% of my tithe. And he's still starting to drown. Lord, if you save me, I'll give... 25% of my tithe, you know, and finally, God, if you save me, you know, I'll give it all, Lord, you know, and, and yet he gets to the very end, and he just goes back to the way he is. Now, how many, how many had kids that try to bargain? Okay, I, I <laughs> yeah, my mom's raising her hand, but she's the, she's the bargaining one right now, okay, the roles have reversed. She goes nowhere without me, you know, so... But it's like soldiers in the proverbial, uh, you know, foxhole. You know, oh, God, we're in this foxhole right now. And, you know, uh, 
we promise to shape up. We promise to serve you. God, just keep me safe. And, you know, and, and our kids do the same thing. You know, God, or, you know, they, you know they, we, we're kind of like God to them. But, you know, Mom, Dad, I'll, if, you, if you, you get, don't give me this pain and this, this problem or this, uh, this punishment. I'll work harder. I'll do better. I'll, I'll be good. Come on, any of your kids ever promise you all that stuff and they just go right back to doing it? And uh, we try to make deals with the Almighty, and it never works. And, and so Pharaoh, you know, four times he offered a compromise to Moses. He offered to let the Jews go uh, sacrifice in Egypt in Exodus 8. He offered the Jews to go a short distance into the desert in Exodus 8. He offered to let only the men go. You see that in Exodus 10. Then he offered to let all the people, but they must leave their animals behind. And Moses said, you know, he wasn't in a deal-making mood. And he says, there's no way. Uh, he says in verse number 26 of chapter 10, all our livestock must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. And, you know, he says, we're not making deals. And I think sometimes people come to God and we try to make deals with him. Oh, God, if you just do this in my life, I'll... And we make all sorts of promises to God. How many know if God held us to our promises, some of us would be in trouble today? And uh, when God's people leave Egypt, he said their animals must be go with them. And because everything belongs to the Lord, come on. He says we must leave nothing behind. And um, when you make bad deals with God, the inevitable happens is, one, I make bad decisions, okay, um, I end up fighting with God. And how many know your arms are not long enough to fight with God? Okay. And here's the third thing is, I never win. As much as I have tried to fight with God, I have not won one battle. You know, and, you know, here we are. And God is saying, you know what? I just want to bring your attention to this. And Pharaoh was no match for the Almighty God. You are having gods against gods, you know, come up. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. It was hardened. And, and God kept bringing painful judgments to him. And, and Pharaoh kept trying to make deals. And, you know, um, and, and, and these judgments from God were continuing in such a way that Pharaoh's heart was going to get hardened. And, um, and so here's the, here's the thing. Because man will continue to compromise rather than yield. You know, we, we continue to compromise rather than yield in submission. And, and here's the other thing. God will only be satisfied when we fully surrender to him. Some of you are fighting God today, and it's like, okay, you can do that. You, you have a choice, but how many know you're not going to win? And how many know that the longer you do it, the longer it's going to take to get back on your feet and do what you need to do? And so God doesn't make deals because he wants entire surrender. And, and Pharaoh would, you know, he would just say, well, give me 20% and I'll give you 80, you know, all that kind of stuff. And God said, no, I just want 100%. And, um, and Pharaoh's a lot like us because we're doing the same thing. Lord, get this sickness off my life and, and I'll, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And, you know, our ears get, we have spiritual wax in our ears that we need to hear from God. You know, Lord, you know, we need to pray, Lord, let your will let your will be done in my life, Lord. I don't care what age you are. I don't care what station in life you are. You know, some of you are just beginning life. Some of you are close to the doors of heaven. And you know what? 
I just want God, just, I'm fully surrendered to you, God. With all my heart, with all my soul. And I just want, I just, I don't want to make deals with God. So, you know, the lessons with Egypt are the same with us. You know, they're the same with us now as they were 3,500 years ago. One, if you reject God's authority. Two, you have no concern for the pain you cause. Three, you try to make deals with God. Here's the fourth thing. You admit your sin, but you don't repent. Now, this is huge because Pharaoh came close to doing right. Twice he said to Moses, I have sinned. Four times he asked Moses to pray for him. Once he asked for forgiveness. And this tells us about something about Pharaoh. He knew the difference between right and wrong. And most of the time, he was able to keep his conscience quiet. But as the plagues added up, Pharaoh realized these terrible judgments were not just uh, national. They were personal. And on the night when God struck down the firstborn sons in Egypt, Pharaoh and Moses had their final meeting. And desperate to see the plagues in, you know, Pharaoh tells Moses to take his people, leave for Egypt for good. In fact, he was driving them out. And he were, they were to take their herds, whatever they wanted. And he adds this one, one phrase there. It's in verse number 32. He says, take your flocks and your herds, as you said, and be gone. Okay? And I like this. But bless me as you leave. Just bless me as you leave. And, um, but here's the problem. He admitted his sin, but he didn't really repent. Have your kids come on? And my mom will, my mom will tell you, you know, you guys say you're to one another, you're sorry. How many say, you know, you say that to your kids and they would just go, sorry. <laughs> anybody, anybody, you know, how many have ever heard unrepentant sorries? You know, they weren't really sorry. You know, and, you know, my mom, kids would get in a fight, you know, we're just doing whatever we do. Now tell your sister that you love her. <laughs> tell your sister you're sorry I'm not sorry I mean I got to the point where okay I'm not going to say it and my mom says you know I can still knock you down <laughs> you know I can still knock you through that wall and you know same with my kids you know it's like um, you know my girls got along sometimes they get along great now, but boy, you know, as they're growing up, and then tell your sister you're sorry. Well, come on, you know, you, it just, it's sorry, you know, just get, get away from me, you know, it's like, but then there comes that, I am really sorry. And so these are the last words that he'll ever speak to Moses, and the long struggle between these two men ends with this surprise request. He says, Moses, I know you're a man of God. Please take a time, please take time and say a blessing for me. But here's the irony. The ultimate irony. Hard-hearted Pharaoh desperately wants Moses gone. But he wants Moses to bless him on his way out. Sometimes people will do that. And Pharaoh finally figured out that Moses is God, reigned supreme over gods of Egypt. And, and yet, for all that, he realizes that, but he never really repents. Because later on, he comes after him. And I think we all need to learn a lesson from this, because confession is good but repentance is better. Okay? And without repentance, our, our tears mean nothing. 
oh, Pastor Bill, I'm so sorry. I've done it again. I've done it again. And, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, how many times are you going to do it again? You know, the only thing that really matters, are you going to change? And we go back to our old ways. You know, it's like I told you that one time I, I shot a skunk and um, with my BB gun and he shot me back. Okay. And, you know, I mean, I was a kid, you know, we were up in the mountains, the creeks and and uh, so this skunk got me just square on. And my mom smelled me before I even got in the house. Had to take all those clothes off. And you had to wash down with tomato, you know, juice and all that kind of stuff. And, but that was my favorite pair of pants that was in the trash now. You know, I even went back there thinking, you know, maybe it's aired out by now. I want those, those pants back or that shirt back. And, and, and some of us do that. It's like, you know, we, we go back and put on that which is, smells like vomit. We go on and put on that which, you know, smells like skunk stink. And, and God says, you know, the only way that this is going to work is if you lay this down, walk away from it, and never, ever come back to it. Are you guys with me on this? And we need to start here because repentance, without repentance, will all perish like Pharaoh. Okay, so marks of, you know, a hard heart. One, you reject God's authority. You have no concern for the pain you cause. Two, you try to make deals to avoid punishment. And th four, you admit your sin, but you don't repent. And here's the fifth thing. You refuse repeated correction. Now, here's the sad story. Moses went to Pharaoh 12 times, okay? The first time, two times, Pharaoh rudely rebuffed him. The following 10 times happened in connection with the 10 plagues. And at any point along the way, Pharaoh could have repented. But what about God hardening his heart? You say, well, God hardened his heart. No, you know, that's not really true. I, I think God did, but he had an equal part of that. He, his heart was already hardened. And I don't know any way that we can separate clearly, clearly separate what God did to Pharaoh versus what Pharaoh did to himself. You know, but by the end of the story, it is clear. Pharaoh had no one to blame but himself. Now, you know, I, people, again, people tell me all sorts of things. And it's like, you know, the dog made me do it. You know, this made me do it. You know, the devil made me do it. And. You know, and I used to be a chaplain with the police department, and I have heard every uh, excuse you can imagine. You know, I mean, I've heard it all. But here's, here's the end of the story. Pharaoh has no one to blame but himself. And Proverbs 29.1 could have written, be written about him. Whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. Come on. Some of you teenagers right now, you see your life shortening. I went up to this guy. He was 105 years old. And I was kind of a smart aleck. I said, so tell me, how do you get to be so old? And he goes, I obeyed my parents. And I saw my life shrinking like this. It's like, <laughs> I'm not going to make it out of my teenage years. See, his story illustrates a vital principle of the spiritual life. Light received, receives more light. 
but light rejected receives only more darkness. Billy Graham, in one of his crusades, he said this, the same sun that shines on the clay hardens the clay, but it melts butter. The same gospel will soften some hearts until they yield to Christ, but it will harden others. And it's possible for you to harden your heart by delaying to receive Christ until it is so hard that when God speaks, you no longer hear from him. And sometimes God's judgment takes very simple forms. Romans 1 paints a picture of what happens in the culture that has no use for the Lord. God gives them up for judgment. Every time that happens, things get worse, not better. God warns and pleads his people. But after a while, you know, God just says, all right, have it your way. And I hope God has not done that in your life because when you have it your way, you usually pretty 100% mess it up. God steps out and says, okay, you just deal with it. And the results are always the same. And I, I just don't believe that God is going to stand in our way. And, that, and I, I really believe that's where America is right now. You know, I'm not getting political at all today. Last week I did and got in a little trouble. <laughs> but you know what? America better turn around quickly. Our state better turn around quickly or God's just going to step aside and say, okay, California, come on. Here's God's promise to you, Ezekiel 36, 26, and I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to put a new spirit in you. I want to take away your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. One translation gives us the last part of the verse says, I'm going to remove your stubborn hearts and give you obedient hearts. And I believe that promise is for everyone. God, I don't want to be stubborn. I don't want to keep doing it my way. God, I want to surrender to you, God, today. You know, I want to just lay it at your feet. And, and, and God, I just confess my, my sin to you. I just, Lord, I, I want to be separated unto you, Lord God. I, I, want to, I want to have a new heart, a new start. And I believe that Jesus died to you for you that you could have that. This is for all of us. I don't care how long you've been in the Lord. Every one of us has to deal with stubbornness in our heart. But you don't have to stay that way. So here we are. Marks of a stubborn heart. You reject God's authority. You have no concern for the pain you cause. You try to make deals to avoid punishment. You admit your sin but don't repent. And you refuse repeated correction. So I want to just pray, okay? Everybody just bow your heads. Father God, we ask for your grace today. Lord, I'm not praying for everybody else. I am, but Lord, mostly I'm praying just for myself. I have issues, God. I need you. I need you, Lord. Lord, I know my heart gets hard. I know my heart just takes control of my life, but Lord, I need you. Lord, I pray right now. I pray. Holy Spirit, come. Come. 
be with us now. We surrender. We surrender, Lord Jesus. We surrender. In Jesus' name, we surrender. Come on, just do that right where you are. God, I surrender the hardness of my heart. I surrender the hardness of my heart. Teresa's going to dance for us to the song, I Am Yours. Would you just uh, put your attention up here?
Let's stand, okay? Um, thank you. Thank you. Jesus, for all of us that we would just surrender today, Jesus, to you. Lord, if anybody doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that they would, they would just give it up to you right now, Jesus, and surrender to you that all of us would look at the places in our life that have become hardened toward you. Lord, we, we ask for your grace today. We ask for your grace today. Good job. Good job. Um, tomorrow, you fly out? Okay. Tomorrow, um, she flies to Seattle for three months. And uh, she is going to be joining a dance troupe up there uh, for the Oz. Yeah, Oz. Is that it? Wizard of Oz. She can't talk right now, okay? Uh, see, the Wiz. The whiz. Okay, yeah. Um, it's up in Seattle. So if any of you happen to be up there the next uh, three months, she's one of the... Uh, uh, She's a character already, but she's, a, uh, she's one of the uh, people. We're going to pray for her. Okay, so uh, let's go down here, Teresa. Okay, why don't you stand right here. Some of you, her friends and uh, family here, if you want to come, we're just going to lay hands on Teresa and just pray for her. Lord, we just thank you that Teresa represents you. And Lord, that she goes up to this dance troupe. Lord, we know there's a lot of ungodliness there. And we pray right now, Lord, that you will just touch her as she goes. Minister to her, God. Give her grace. Give her grace. Lord, use her for your glory. And Lord, I just pray that you protect her. Just protect her, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we just bless her now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Love you. Everybody just tell Teresa we love her and thank you. And Alyssa, come on up here. Okay. Uh, Alyssa grew up in this church and uh, she and your mom and Nate, they are pastoring down in uh, Adelanto and there's some good things happening there. But uh, I told her to come today because of this. Uh, She's leaving next week, I think it is. Thursday. Thursday, this Thursday, for Korea. 
and um, she's going to be a missionary there, and um, we would like to bless her. Okay, how many know it costs money to fly, and um, uh, we would like to bless Teresa as we go today. So, you know, you're going to be giving your tithes and offerings back there, but we're going to bring a basket up here, and uh, would you just bless Teresa as we go today, and Alyssa, uh, <laughs> Teresa also, and Alyssa, but Alyssa, that you would just uh, just say, we're going to bless you, and give her a hug, and say you're going to pray for her, you're going to be there for three months, right, and um, we, we'd we like to hear some reports about what God is doing. Second service, you're going to be uh, teaching our youth, and we're excited about that. So, uh, Usher, just bring that up there, or Ray, bring that up here, and and let me put a blessing on you. Powerful service today. Elders will be up at the front. And if you need prayer, we would love to pray with you. And uh, so let's lift our hands as I put a blessing on you today. Uh, may the Lord bless you today and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance on you and give you peace. And together we ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody said you know, if you're going to write out a check, make it out to the church, and we'll write out one check to her. So um, I've already given, and uh, I want to, you know, bless her too. So just come on up here and just give to Alyssa, and just hug on her and tell her you love her. God bless you guys. We love you.